You'll find the scripture tonight in the book of Psalm, chapter 66, verse 16. Again, I do want to express my gratitude for the privilege to be a part of these services. Thank you so much for to the church for all that you have done, for all the delicious meals, for your care, and for uh, providing all that you have provided for us. Thank you for the nice place you provided for me to stay. As a matter of fact, the church has done so much for me. Uh, I am so grateful for it. They've done everything but put me in bed at night. But thank you for being so good to me, and I do love this dear pastor. And as I've said before, I'm sure, if a person could not get along with Brother Brandon White, they're probably too dangerous to be loose. But I certainly do appreciate this dear man of God and his family as well. And such, such a gracious uh, spirit and a servant's heart, and he's a great preacher. Amen. And I do love and appreciate him and each of these men of God that have yes, spoken sir, to brother. us, and those that haven't. It's just a blessing to be in the presence of all these great men of God. I do appreciate the message tonight and the messages that we've heard today. Each one of them has spoken to my heart. Amen. And it's just amazing how God takes men of different backgrounds, different abilities, uh, but we end up at the same place yes. at the foot yes. of the cross. And I, I appreciate all the, all the preaching this week and also the singing that's uplifted and blessed our hearts and uh, encouraged us to worship. Psalm chapter 66, verse 16. Come and hear all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. Let's bow our heads again, please, while we pray. Our Father, I bow in your presence tonight to thank you for this day, for the blessings, the mercies of it. Thank you for the word that has been preached in this place today, for the word we just heard. Thank you for the songs that have been sung. I pray, Lord, now that you'll still our hearts in thy presence. I pray that uh, should there be any among us tonight that are strangers to your grace, that this will be the hour of salvation. Revive those of us that are saved. Encourage the people of God as you have been doing even tonight. And I pray now that you will be pleased to touch thy servant. I pray for that special anointing. Illuminate my mind. Loose my tongue. And may the gospel go forth in its power. I pray, Lord, for that special anointing tonight. I pray that you will help us to travel in this service the divine distance you want to take us. Lord Jesus, whatever we say and do tonight, may it be to the praise and the glory of God. We love you because you first loved us and gave yourself for us. In the name that's above every name, the name of our blessed, blood-stained Redeemer and soon-coming King, I humbly pray, amen. amen. I want to speak to you tonight as we look at this verse, Psalm 66, verse 16, about the anchor of the soul. It's been my privilege on, I know of at least two occasions, to visit the home of John Knox in Edinburgh, Scotland. And uh, John Knox, the house of John Knox uh, was located exactly halfway between Edinburgh Castle and Holyrood Palace. 
I was privileged to stand in the very room where John Knox uh, went home to be with God. But when John Knox lay dying, he said to his wife, Bring me the holy book. Read me the text that brought me to Christ. She read to him from John 17, 3. And this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I can say tonight with gladness and rejoicing that many years ago I anchored all my hope in Jesus Christ. As the apostle said, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Our text, this text is a good place to anchor your soul. In times like these, you do need an anchor. And you need to be absolutely sure that your anchor holds and that it will uh, hold you in the time of the storm and uh, in the time of death. Amen. Hebrews six nineteen, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. My hope is built on nothing less Amen. than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Right. We think about the creation of the soul. And therefore, it's important that you have an anchor for your soul. Now, the soul is not material or carnal or, or tangible, rather. The soul is a spiritual thing. It's invisible. You've heard that expression? I haven't seen a soul all day. They're right. No one has ever seen a soul. But the soul is that eternal thing that God has placed within every human we see a body with a soul. Genesis 2, 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and made man a living soul. The soul is a product of the breath of God, the life and the energy of God and all that means. Adam's body was not made in the likeness of God but rather his soul in the fact that it is eternal. It is everlasting. Before the fall in the garden, Adam's soul, which had been made in God's likeness, a new complete righteousness, and he possessed complete knowledge before his fall. Think about the contemplation of the soul. The soul is capable of contemplating its maker. We worship with our souls. The Bible says I will lift my soul Amen. unto God. It is the soul that approaches deity. It is the soul that enters in the presence of the thrice holy God. And these bodies just express what our souls feel. Amen. The reason I don't need a praise team, a professional praise team, Amen. is because the praise team lives on the inside. I have a heart that can respond to God. And when God touches my heart, I know what to do. At least I'll try to do it. And I certainly don't need a professional team to tell me what to do. My soul has been saved, justified by faith. 
It can respond to God. It does respond to God. And uh, what a wonderful thing that is. That our bodies can even respond to what our soul is feeling. Sometimes people weep. Sometimes people laugh. Sometimes people shout. Sometimes people just feel plum good all over. But if God's grace is in your heart, then you have a soul that can respond to God. It is the soul that really feels. It is the soul that loves, the soul that hates, the soul that can feel greater joy than the angels have. It's also a soul that can feel the torments of an everlasting hell in separation from God. Think about the continuation of the soul. The body dies, but when the eyes of the body can no longer see, the soul still sees. When the body can no longer feel, the soul will feel. When the body cannot hear, the soul will yet be hearing. I read once that every seven years that our bodies undergo a complete change. That means that I've gone through ten bodies and in the midst of the eleventh, the body will die. The body will return to the dust. But the soul lives on. Either the absolute happiness of heaven or the eternal torments of hell. What is a hundred years compared to eternity? Once the body yields up the soul that, and that tie is cut, your destiny is sealed. The moment that you leave this world and the state that you live in will determine your everlasting state. If you die saved, you will live in the bliss of His glory. If you die unsaved, you will face the terrible wrath of a holy and of a just God. Where the tree falleth, there should it lie. I cannot imagine what it will be, excluding the coming of the Lord, the return of Christ for His church, to actually leave this body and enter the world of eternity, infinity. I cannot imagine what it would be for a sinner to die without Christ. And at that moment, the iron door of the gate of eternity is shut forever. Everlasting fire. Everlasting separation from God. Where the tree falleth, there shall it lie. If you die without Christ, it will be eternal. If you die with Christ in your heart, it will be eternal joy and praise. And in light of that, what good are the pleasures of time when all eternity is torment? What good uh, is uh, all the things that this world provides without Christ? While the bright lights of time when all eternity is darkness, what are all the joys of time when all eternity is agony? What good is anything in this world if you die without Christ in your heart. Now nobody of course. Can get all the positions of the world. But Jesus says. If you could get them all. 
If you can occupy every throne, every place of power, every position of authority, and every pleasure satisfy every lust of the body, what doth it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? As Brother Kevin reminded us last night, the rich fool in Luke chapter 12 said, I'll tear down my barns, build greater barns, and say, Saul, take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. You got, and I'll build greater barns. You have enough that'll last you for many years. But that same night, death with silent slippers, silent as the dew, walks into the place where this rich fool has just made his plans. And God says, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. What good is everything in this world if you die without Christ? There was a man in our area who built a palatial home. He spent one night in it and fell over dead at the breakfast table the next morning. We do not know when our sojourn on this earth will end. If you've lived your life without Christ, rejected His grace in His sadness and sorrow for eternity. And in light of that, your soul is important tonight. And so in consideration of the soul, this is a wonderful promise. Come and hear, all ye that fear God. And I will declare what is done for my soul. This is a word of invitation. The first word in the Bible, among the first words to Noah was, Come, thou all thy house. Lord found grace in the eyes of the Lord. For 120 years, Noah preached to those people. They preached repentance. Maybe that's why it's so few converts. But he preached repentance those 120 years. They would not repent. And one day, the strange passengers of the ark began to arrive. And then when everyone was safely in, Noah and his family, his three sons, and their wives, and Noah's wife, and in mercy, God lets that door remain open seven more days. But on that seventh day, the invisible hand of the great God of the universe slowly but surely began to close that door. And on the seventh day, that door was shut. The Bible says God shut him in. If God shuts you in, you're in. Being saved is everlasting, as we just heard. This was not a revolving door. If you're in the grace of God, you're in the grace of God saved. You don't go in and out. What God does is forever. I may have told you, but last year I was going to Alabama for a meeting. Stopped at a restaurant. They had a revolving door. Brother Al, I hate revolving doors. And I was in the revolving door leaving. Wasn't really paying attention. My phone rang, and I answered it, and all of a sudden I heard a kabang, and then, like the lights went out. And then I thought, you fool, you tried to exit before you got to the right place. And I run into the glass. And by the time I got to Alabama, 
There's a big bruise on my forehead and a black eye. I hate revolving doors. In the grace of God, though, this is not a revolving door. Lady, I'm in. I'm in forever. If any man in Christ, he's become a new creature. And what God does is an eternal word. Saved. Saved. Forever. And so Noah says, come. God says, come. And the door was shut. And then see the hand of omnipotence as it unleashes all the flood waters. Hear the people's screams as the water rises higher and higher. And finally, they're drowned and all the cities are underwater. And the mountains are underwater. Maybe mountains jetting up here and there. But soon the whole world, planet Earth, is one gigantic sea without a beach to hurl its crest at. But on that gigantic sea, on that ocean without, without a beach to, to really receive its waves, I see a weird looking object. Yeah. It's the old ark. Yeah. It's out with the storm. Yeah. It's saved yeah. and yeah. sails toward a better day. And they come out and God puts a rainbow in the sky. What God does in the heart is forever and will last eternally. The last invitation is the word come. Come. The bride and the spirit, the spirit of the bride say come. And he, let him that heareth those of us that experience this grace say come. Yes. But best of all, the Lord Jesus says, and let him that is the first Come and drink of the water of life freely. Come is an invitational word to every sinner. The only qualification you need to be saved is this. You must know that you are a sinner. Jesus said, I didn't come to call the righteous to repent. The reason, there is none. But he came to seek and to save that which is lost. Amen. Him that cometh to unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Amen. Does not make any difference if you're famous or infamous. If you're known or unknown. If you're rich or poor. If you have a low IQ or a high IQ. Let everyone that is a thirst come. Amen. Are you thirsty for God? Come. Are you thirsty for his salvation? Come. Let every sinner by sin oppressed bears mercy with the Lord. What a wonderful word this invitation is. Come. Those who do not fear God are blind. But it was grace that taught my heart to fear. And if God has put that grace in your heart, it is everlasting joy. Had the privilege once to visit the church, the last church that John Newton pastored, Woolnother, in the London area of England. And of course, he was Church of England, and they have those wine glass pulpits, they call them, with narrow steps winding. It goes up to the top, about this high. And then there's a little place for the preacher to stand. And one Sunday morning when John Newton, as an older man, was getting ready to climb those steps to preach. 
one of his men said, Mr. Newton, don't you think that you're getting a little too old to climb these steps to get in that pulpit to preach? John Newton stopped and said, what do you mean too old? I'll never get too old to tell the old, old story. And I am telling it today as I have all these years, he said. And I even had my picture uh, taken in that pulpit. Now, if I tried to get in that pulpit today, it'd be worse than Joe Biden trying to get up the steps of Air Force One in a 10-mile-an-hour wind. But I want to say that what God has done in my heart is everlasting. And I'll never cease to praise Him. I'll never cease to thank Him. My, I may go crazy as a bit, but it will not matter. We've already heard the foundation of God standing sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are His. This is a word of exhortation. Come as an invitation to the word. Here is the word of exhortation. Verse 5 says, Come and see the works of God. His terrible in His doing toward the children of men. Isaiah said, Hear, and your soul shall live. Paul says, Faith come of a hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Paul says in Romans 10 as well, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shalt thou preach except they be sent? This is a word of exhortation. Come. And the psalmist said, I'll declare what God hath done for my soul. Then the Apostle Paul says, We preach not ourselves, but Christ the Lord. Yes. It's never a good mark when a preacher is through preaching and you know more about the preacher and you've heard more about the preacher than you've heard about Jesus Christ. I do believe, as I said often, as someone else has said, I believe it was Spurgeon, no matter where you take a text from, as quick as you can, hit to Jesus. That's good advice. This is a hymn book. It is all about Him from start to finish. And I will declare what hath done for my soul. This is a word of proclamation. I will declare. The psalmist had made up his mind that he was going to tell it. And one of the great Sadness of our churches today is that they're largely silent. But the spirit of the bride say, come. It's not, and it's not, it's a sad thing when a church does not, it's not their vehement mission. It's not to declare the gospel to a lost world. Tell it, tell it. If God has saved you, tell it. Spread the good news. Give the winds a mighty voice. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. No matter how wicked the day may be. And we do face great wickedness. And I'm convinced that we're near the end of Romans 1. Even as a nation becoming more and more reprobate. But I want to tell you that God is not taken by surprise. 
He is not alarmed with the headlines of the newspaper this morning. You can rest assured that there's a God in heaven who rules over the affairs of men. Like that old fella bought a boomerang, killed himself, trying to throw the old one away. You can't get rid of God. He will just remain God. He is the great I am. And my dear friends, it is absolutely essential that you know this God in His saving grace. God's grace has done a wonderful thing for my soul. And every person here tonight that is saved will testify of that. The greatness of God and the power of His salvation. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth. It does not matter how long you've been saved, how long you've been telling. It gets more precious and sweeter and sweeter every time you hear it. He wrought my soul. Psalm 139, 16 says, Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being perfect, in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. And verse 15 says, My voice was not hid from thee, when I was made in secret, and curiously wrought in the lower parts of the earth. What a work it was when God wrought our soul and our body as it was formed in our mother's womb. Oh, the wonder of God's eternal plan and of God's grace. And I, I know that millions and millions of little babies have been aborted. I do not believe babies go to hell. But David, when he lost his baby, said... I can't go, I can't, it can't return, but I can go to it. Somebody says, well, babies are just saved, not saved. I think they're saved in the grace of God. No flesh and blood can inherit the kingdom of God. And if God let a baby go to heaven, it would have been born with the nature in total depravity. It would enjoy heaven. I don't understand all that. I'm just talking. We serve a great God. He's going to fill up heaven with sinners saved by grace. And uh, every baby, I believe, that that is born that dies as an infant will arrive in Emmanuel's land safe and sure. What a great God we serve. But everybody there will exclaim, Worthy is the Lamb, for thou was slain. Everybody in heaven will have a heart for God. Deep stuff. I can't figure it out, and you can't either. Amen. But I want to tell you that God has a great place prepared for His people. He wrought my soul. Once I was asked to do the funeral of a little baby. I think it was five months old. It died in its mother's womb. Now they lived in a mobile home. And, and one January day, cold and windy, I went to, to conduct that funeral. And one of the funeral homes had given them a casket. It was about the side of the bread box. And they buried that little baby right beside the, the pasture. And I said that day, I called his name. They'd already named him. And I said he didn't get to wake up in earth. He never opened his eyes on planet earth. But he opened them in Emmanuel's land. Yeah. 
I do believe that what God does is wonderful and glorious. He wrought my soul. In my mother's womb, he saw me. After all, he put me there. He made me. And I want to praise God that in mercy and grace he came to me. Even as a nine-year-old boy convicted me and convinced me of sin. And it's wonderful. It's marvelous what God has done for this soul of mine. I can't get over it. I don't want to get over it. It is wonderful. Wonderful. He sought my soul. And what a search that was. All the way from heaven. To earth. To pay the debt of sin. Only the eternal God could bridge the gulf between the great divide. Luke 15. When the shepherd finds that sheep. Nothing said about the journey home. Or the possibility of that sheep getting lost. Verse 5 I believe it is says he found it. And verse 6 he got home with it. And every soul that God's ever saved will safely arrive in the city of God. He bought my soul with his own blood. And thank God I can say tonight, he got my soul. I know whom I have believed. Billy Bray from the island of Cornwall in England was always known for praising God. And and, uh, he was made fun of often. Someone said that Billy Bray was just a a madman. But Billy Bray said once I was a bad man and a sad man. But God made me a glad man. The world says I'm a madman. But God and I know I'm a glad man. There is joy in serving the Lord. Come. That's an invitational word. Here. That's a word of exhortation. All ye that fear God, that's a limitation word. And I will declare, that's a declaration word. What God has done for my soul, that's a transformation word. If God has saved you, there's praise in your heart. Ten thousand hallelujahs for this wonderful grace. Apologize to this goofy, godless, graceless world for praising God, not on your life. I'm grateful for what God has done in my heart. It's wonderful and glorious, and He can do it in your heart. Psalm 18, 44. The Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock. Death can't destroy me. Hell can't have me. I'm safe, safe, secure in Jesus Christ.